1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join
0: the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hi Cardinal fans, I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith, corks one in right, down the line, it may go! And you're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go
0: crazy folks, go crazy!
1: Here's your host, Brent McMillan.
0: Welcome to the show. It's the April 2021 edition of the Cardinals Insider Podcast. I'm Brett McMillan. If you didn't catch our March show, we're doing something a little different this year, coming at you with a monthly featured episode instead of a weekly show as in years past. But make sure to be subscribed. You never know when we might drop in some bonus content as well. Those subscriptions, as well as rating or reviewing the show, really goes a long way to helping boosting our reach so if you enjoy what we do we definitely appreciate those uh, subscriptions ratings and reviews plus you can always reach me by email podcast with an s at cardinals.com moving from this monthly format frees up our production capabilities a little bit and the hope here is that we'll be able to bring you more deep conversations deep dives like this one today featuring xavier scruggs He played briefly with the Cardinals in 2014 and 15, also suited up for the Marlins, and headed overseas to play after that. We'll talk about all of that with Xavier, and we'll also touch on his post-career efforts. That's what brought him to the podcast in the first place. He's getting into baseball media, specifically a new podcast for Major League Baseball called The Bigs. More on that in just a little bit, but first want to let you know that if you are headed down on May 7th, 8th, and 9th, the Cardinals host the Colorado Rockies, and on all of those dates, 10,000 fans take home a newly designed, one-of-a-kind, custom Cardinals purse, thanks to Coca-Cola and Quick Trip. That's May 7th through 9th. The Cardinals and the Rockies get your tickets today at cardinals.com slash promotions. Hope to see you at the ballpark in May, but for now... Let's get to my chat with Xavier Scruggs here on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Xavier Scruggs, I guess we got to start here, man. Uh, You know, this is the Cardinals Insider Podcast. You were a St. Louis Cardinal for two of your three big league seasons, and and you broke in uh, in 2014, but you got drafted in 05. Dude, that must have been an exciting time to get drafted. Coming off a World Series appearance, that 05 team at the big league level was arguably better than the 2004 team that had gone to the series. So what was that like when you got your name called in 05 by a a juggernaut in the National
1: League? Yeah, man, that was just an amazing opportunity. Just knowing that I had the chance to play with an organization like the Cardinals, uh, that was a dream come true. You know, for me, it was get drafted and try to find the best team that I can get drafted by. And luckily, it was a team that was a top tier, right? A team that you look up to as a player and say, that's how... Organization should be run. That's the type of players you want to look after. Like Albert Pujols, for me, it was like an immediate reaction to say, "Okay, if I'm a first baseman, that's the type of player that I want to be one day." So I had the role model to look up to. Um, And for me, it was just about trying to perform every day to get better. If I know I have someone like an Albert Pujols at the major league level, I know I can say. Okay, I'm not ready yet, but I can know what I need to do to prepare myself, continue every day to find a way to get better offensively, defensively. Um, But just the opportunity to get drafted was uh, was amazing. So when you when I look back and think, okay, the Cardinals, um, man, it was it was a special time just knowing that a historic organization like that could even want to to have a player like me. Man, my
0: favorite thing every year when we go to spring training is just walking around and seeing the guys where maybe it's their first, maybe second big league camp. And just like you were talking about, they're looking at the guys across the clubhouse going, holy cow, it's fill in the blank. You know, right now it's, it's Arenado or it's Goldschmidt and getting to learn from those guys and just being around the cage and hearing, you know, from a young pitcher, hey, what'd you see there during a live BP or a young hitter? Hey, what can I do differently? What's, uh, what was that like for you, your first time you walked into a big league camp and, uh, was there a guy in particular, you mentioned Albert, but anybody else that you looked across the clubhouse and thought, I cannot believe I'm sharing a locker room with this guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, uh, guys like Matt holiday, Yachty, um, uh, you know, even, even guys that I came up, even guys I came up with and played against in college, like, a uh, Matt Carpenter. Um, and, and then thinking about some, some other pitchers like uh, Adam Wainwright and, just the, the presence those guys brought into the locker room was huge for me. It, it almost was always like, man, I, I need to continue to try to live up to those guys' standards because those were like, that was like the pinnacle. Seeing those guys, you know, and seeing the careers that they've had, it was just amazing to watch them while I was just a youngster. So for me, not only was it amazing to see, but it also gave me guidance as to, okay, you got guys that are telling you how to be about your business on and off the field, guys that have made great careers, but also have been very successful outside of the field, diving into the community, being very good with the media. So it was easy for me to kind of just be able to pick little pieces from every single person and to apply them to my game, apply them to life in general. And I think that's one of the biggest things you get when you're with the Cardinals organization is You're going to get a lot of life skills, whether you like it or not. You're going to learn from a lot of guys because, you know, quote unquote, the cardinal way is like a real thing. It's not just being so much methodical on the field, but it's very much off the field as well. Your character being a, a great person, a great teammate. So those things. I found out were really important to the organization. And then they became really important to me and for me to implement all those things into my own life. So having those guys around and just being a part of seeing it helped prepare me for stuff even outside of the Cardinals organization. Like, I don't want to touch on anything yet too much, but like traveling overseas to play and and understanding how to conduct myself the right way. So those things were really important for me.
0: Yeah, what was that like? I, you know, one of the great things about our, our organization is there's not maybe uh, as much turnover once a guy gets locked in like a pool hole as he's here 10 years. I'm sure for you, you know, that's great because you can learn from him, but it's also going, okay, that guy is is not only being fitted for a red jacket but they're getting ready to make his plaque in Cooperstown someday and so i've got to figure out a way to get creative here and find my way up through the system and find at bats at the big league level you know you were 26 when you broke in and it's an incredible accomplishment to be a major league player only what 20,000 people in the history of our game have done it but you know that's that's a a little bit on the older side in in the course of a guy breaking in so how do you draw on those life lessons you just talked about from those guys and make sure that you're staying, Hey, you know, this is my seventh, eighth minor league year, but the dream's alive. I'm here. Cause somebody believes I can be a big leaguer. How do you, you kind of stay locked in, And make sure that you get eventually where you did which is to the big leagues when when that's the scenario in front of you
1: yeah bro i'm not gonna lie man it was tough going through seven years in the minor leagues before i even cracked the big leagues it was really mentally draining over anything like i always knew i had the ability as long as i kept working but at the same time it was like okay you see guys getting to the big leagues in two three years especially in my draft class there was some really top players in my class and then also playing on a double a spring field team that ended up winning the Texas league championship with guys like a Colton Wong with Oscar Tavares, um, Tommy Pham, Greg Garcia, like all those guys ended up getting to the big league level pretty quickly after that. So Michael Walker, like, so a lot of those guys I got to see firsthand and it was almost like, Man, am, am I not moving quick enough? Is is there still going to be opportunity for me? Um, so I, I not question my ability, but question should I be doing something else? Because I would see my own friends like back home going and getting jobs, um, you know, finishing school and and starting their careers in another way. And I'm like, man, am I am I still? Is it good for me to still be fooling around in double AA, A, triple A, trying to get to my dream? But I think the biggest thing for me was realizing that. You know, once I saw guys that were that came up with me getting there and then having some great success that just motivated me even more. It was like, okay, I know I can be as good, if not better than some of these guys. And I've been working so hard for this dream. Let me continue to do that. And then also another thing was like in the minor leagues, that's when you learn a lot. And I feel like I grew a lot as a man during that time, just being on my own, learning how to survive, you know, with not very much of a paycheck. Um, you know, so those are, those things really start to uh, you know, help you kind of move alongside too, is because you you're getting life lessons in the minor leagues and you're being and you're being molded with a group of guys that end up being friends, you end up being friends for a lifetime. Like you have relationships that that really are still so strong to this day. So a lot of those relationships and people in my corner, my family in my corner, just motiva- motivated me every day to continue to strive for that dream Um, And it it was tough at times. I can't lie. It was very tough. There was times when I was on the double A bus crying after a 0 for 12 series, like eight strikeouts. I'm like, man, what am I still doing in this game today? But I kept fighting, man. And it was, and that's just baseball, right? We go through such long stretches of failure that it tests our patience and it tests our endurance. Um, But that's, that's life too. So I was learning those life lessons within the game. And that just made it that much more special once I was able to get to the the big leagues
0: so I got to hear the story and it's it's like the most cliche question that you can ask in this format but the stories are always so fun so when you found out you were going to the big leagues paint the picture for us uh who who told you who'd you call first the the whole deal
1: yeah man the first thing I did was uh well what happened was we had just finished a playoff game in Omaha in AAA. And the team had struggled throughout the game. We got carved up by somebody. I can't even remember who it was, but we carved up. Uh, I was 0 for 4, a couple of Ks. Pop Warner was the manager at the time. Um, Gary LaRock was was there on site. He uh, He's the one that actually pulled me over and was like, hey, we, we need to see you in, in Pop's office. And I was like, oh, man, am I getting another scolding again about how I struggled at the plate? Because Pop was always known for like, T- trying to get guys back in line once they struggled like hey you need to do this you need to make these adjustments so he was vocal about that stuff so i was like man i i'm, I'm not in the mood for this man and then next thing i know i see both Gary Larock and and um, Pop looking at each other like you tell him you tell him and i'm like what's going on man and he and they're like you're going to Milwaukee and i was like Milwaukee what did i get traded or something and they're like no you you're going to the big leagues they're on the road cardinals are on the road you're going to the big leagues i'm like I'm going to the show. Like it didn't hit me right away, but it was like, wow, this is, I could have immediately felt the chills. And I thought about all the like hard times that I put into it. All those times I was crying on the bus, all those times that I woke up at like 5 AM to just go get a workout in because I knew one day it was going to pay off if I was outworking somebody else. So just to see that stuff come into fruition within that one night was amazing. Called my dad, um, called, called my girlfriend at the time was, uh, who is now my wife, Jessica. Um, and she was crying. My, my parents were so happy for me. Um, you know, and you think back of all the, all the sacrifices, not only you made, but all those people that came alongside with you, whether it be my wife, whether it be my family, my brother, um, close friends, because, they, they take the sacrifices, too. Like, you don't get to spend a lot of time with them, especially during the season. So um, a lot of times that looks selfish upon you as a player, but that's what it takes to get to where you want to get to a lot of the time. So for them to be by my side through that, those whole seven years, that was amazing just to be able to tell them that.
0: Yeah, I mean, parts of three seasons. Nobody can ever take that away from you, Major League Baseball player, and that's pretty cool, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing the story. I'm interested to know too. After your your Major League career wraps up, you played overseas a little bit. I always find that to be really interesting as well. Korea, I know it's way different over there, and some of it's procedural. But uh, indulge me if you would. You know, I know the clubhouses I don't think are open to the media. There's kind of a different feel in the stands. Just what stood out to you when you were We're in Korea playing in Asia in front of those fans.
1: Oh, first and foremost, the fans, man, they're just out of control. It's like a party every single night at the stadium, just dancing Um, so much food, different types of food. You can bring your own food into the stadium. They're cheering songs like I had my own cheer song. So every time I came up to the plate, it's not just a walk up song, but they're doing a dance. They're cheering. Everybody's singing. It's not just like a small section. It's like the whole stadium. So that just gets you juiced as a player, uh, provides so much energy. Um, But then just the culture, man, diving into another culture, which I had no idea that I would ever be in Korea. Like when I was first approached with the idea of going to Korea, I was like, what are you talking about? I'm a big leaguer, especially since I made it to the show. I'm only staying in the show. There's no way I'm going to Korea. But once I finally kind of understood the opportunities of going over there like, man, what my eyes were just opened up totally new perspective, right? You talk about food, you talk about respect, which is a huge factor over there. Um, You know, and just being able to sightsee different places. Um, I spent two years over there, my first my first son was born over there in Korea. So that kind of tells you about how comfortable we felt being over in another country. Um, So just an amazing experience, man, I can't, I can't um, talk about how much how special that experience was for me and my family over there. And just being able to meet new teammates and, and being able to have a, a translator, um, become a, a, a lifetime friend. Uh, if somebody told me that, you know, before I even while even my time with the Cardinals, like if somebody told me I was going to Korea and enjoying it for a couple of years, like I would have never believed them.
0: Did it give you a different perspective maybe on what guys who are from different countries go through here in the majors I always think about that you know it's for those of us who are native English speakers in the game in the major leagues you know we see somebody who has to have a translator here and I always think that's got to be tough to be in a new country to not know the language and also be saying, hey, this is why I threw this pitch on this count in this situation, (laughs) or this is what I was looking for at the plate in this situation. Um, And you seem like a pretty empathetic, sympathetic guy, but did it kind of change the way you maybe thought about
1: past teammates that you'd had when you were in the show? You know what, Brett, for me, I was always somebody that I, I was really open to the fact that it was tough for guys that came over from a different country. Um, back in 2010, only a couple years after I got drafted, I went and played in Colombia because I wanted to experience something like that. Colombia is not one of the better leagues to play in the winter ball, but I know I needed to play. But then also I wanted to experience being in a different culture. Um, even even wrote a blog while I was there because I had to write down the things that I was seeing because I wanted to remember them. I wanted to journal and remember how tough it is going to another country and then understanding, I don't speak the language. How am I going to get around? How am I going to get by? I don't have a translator. Um, I have to be able to converse with the other players to build relationships. For me, building relationships was always huge. So for me, it was about diving right in. Like the the biggest thing is you're not going to be confident going into any culture, um, you know, any other country, but the biggest thing is just getting your feet wet and just trying to live like they do. So for me, I always like had that perspective since 2010, but then it took it to another level. When I went to Korea, it was like, you know, you can get by a little bit going to a Latin country because sometimes we grow up with some Spanish speaking people Um, You know, that maybe those are classes we take in high school or college, whatever it may be. So we're accustomed to at least knowing some of the words. When you go to Korea, an Asian country, you're dropped in another country. You have no idea what they are saying. You don't know that the alphabet is totally different. It's characters. So you can't even tell if you're going to a restaurant that has pork, if it has meat or if they're selling plastics. We don't you don't know. So that was the biggest eye opening experience for me. And it was like, I really I really saw how much I had to lean on my translator, but then I started to understand, no, if I'm really going to get to know some of these guys on a different level, I'm going to have to try to converse myself. I'm going to have to show them that I'm worth, I'm going to put the time in to try to figure it out. And that's when you see guys have more respect for you. When you have to, when you start trying and, and start trying to figure it out for yourself and not always leaning on somebody else to translate for you. So definitely an eye-opening experience, but uh, for me, I kind of always understood that it's tough for guys. And I always uh, was uh, empathetic to the fact, and I was close with a guy like Oscar Tavares a lot of Dominican players, because I played in the Dominican as well. Um, I played in Mexico as well. So those, those Latin countries, I always uh, understood that those guys coming over, it was not going to be easy for them.
0: What was that transition like for your wife? Because you're kind of in the bubble of the club, right? So I mean, you've got the translator, you kind of look there with their front office, they're looking out for you. Um, but you know, she's in a, a brand new country. Um, and she's kind of trying to Figure it out as a civilian, so to speak. So, what's the the learning curve like there?
1: Without her, w- there is no performing. There's no me performing on the field without her. Actually, and this was one of the things that we first said when before we even went over there. Is like we're going to go in and we're going to dive in a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent. You know, when and when I say that, I mean we're going to dive into the culture, the food, the experiences, doing things their way. Um, because one of the things that a lot of guys told me and just from doing research is like the guys that struggle are the ones that try to do things their way and not um, you know, you don't have to get molded to everything they do, but don't try to feel like you take America over there. Right. Don't try to feel like that they do everything you do. No, you have to understand and be open to doing a lot of stuff. So that was one of the first things we said is we got to be open to doing it. And the biggest stride I saw her take was like, she didn't have a translator like me 24 seven, but she still went and tried to meet the other wives as much as possible, make relationships with them, tried to learn Korean as much as possible. so her experience was made that much better because of her own willingness to be able to dive into that, to that culture. So then that helped me and it took a lot of pressure off me because I knew she was okay. I knew she was taking care of her business. She was able to have fun with those girls um, was able to meet people was still able to do things like getting her nails done, get her hair done, get massages. So she was able to still have a good time. So it took a lot of pressure off me and I was able to perform because when you're not thinking so much about oh, all the outside stuff outside of the field, then you're able to relax and just go do what you do. And that's when baseball is baseball. You know, it doesn't matter the, the country. When, when you're able to just play ball, that's, that's when you feel comfortable.
0: Now you're transitioning into a new section of your life, a new chapter doing this. Uh, some exciting things on the horizon, and uh, we'll get to some of those in a second. But I feel like every guy who eventually ends up wanting to sit behind a microphone that played in the big leagues kind of had that moment or that thing or that person that said, hey, you could be really good at this. You should think about it when when your playing career wraps up. Did you have someone like that in your life, or was it something that you came upon on your own?
1: Honestly, it, it was it was early on. I had a a passion for at least speaking and really kind of telling my own story um back when i was like 10 11 years old my mom she was she always pointed out to me athletes that spoke well on tv And athletes that dove into the community, athletes that did other things besides just their sport. So it was kind of always ingrained in me, especially with my parents. They both went to four-year university. So I I know I'm blessed because, you know, that doesn't happen very often. So I got to see what that looks like to be educated and then to understand that there's much, this world offers much more than just your sport. Um, So that was something I was attracted to. And then along the way, like you said, people would tell me like, X, like you do a good job of this. You know, this sounds like something that you could be very good at in the future, Um, whether it be, you know, talking on a microphone, whether it be um, interviewing somebody, it doesn't matter. Like just you being in that general media space sounds like a good opportunity. So for me, it was something that I was always attracted to. Just like when I would watch SportsCenter and watch the highlights I would watch like Stuart Scott and the way that he would present the highlights and be like, man, like that would be cool just to be on on TV like him talking about the guys playing baseball, you know. So, of course, I want to play the game, but I want to be able to talk about the game, too. So that always attracted me as well. But, yeah, a lot of people along the way, that's just the confirmation, right? When somebody says, hey you're doing good or, or keep it up. And, and you don't even know if you're sure of yourself, but that encourages you to keep doing it. And um, it's been something exciting for me that I like to continue to explore outside of, you know, playing now that I'm retired.
0: Did you do any of this in school or anything? I mean, I know baseball was what probably took up most of the time.
1: Man, I I don't think I really did any of it in school. But I think naturally, I would always kind of practice it in my head, like, whether it be uh, color commentating over a game, whether it be interviewing somebody, whether it be like creating a story, um, writing a story, I always love to write. So that was something that was always enjoyed to do. So you could, you could say I quote unquote was creating content in my own head and, and writing stuff down uh, back in the day um, just to prepare me for these opportunities in the future.
0: So tell me a little bit about the MLB show. And I know you've been involved with some other podcasts, too, which maybe we could touch on. But, you know, you've got the new venture launching with uh, Major League Baseball. For those who don't know, uh, MLB really uh, excited about the podcast space. I mean, hey, you're listening right now. And uh, this is a great way for people to ingest content. So uh, <laughs> tell, tell me about uh, the show, X, uh, what it is, the name of it, and, uh, you know, the kind of the basic format of what you guys are trying to accomplish when folks tune in.
1: Yeah, well, uh, first, it's called The Bigs, and it's MLB's first player-to-player show that breaks down kind of the journey and the past that guys have had, the different experiences, their different perspectives. Um, and, and that's what I always wanted to be a, a, a part of. Uh, we talked about me um, you know, interviewing guys and just digging into the insights of the game. I want to give, give that back to people, um, and I want to do it from a player's point of view. Uh, A lot of times we get it from different points of view, but I figure, okay, maybe something unique is doing it from my point of view and being able to talk to my counterparts and talk to teammates, old teammates and guys that I love to watch, just guys that I generally want to learn about. Um, For me, a guy, Trey Mancini for the Orioles was a guy like, I want to know his story. Like I want to know what he went through when he had, you know, that, that opportunity to, come out of the cancer treatment when he, what was it like when he first went into it? So learning those different things was always attractive to me and, and just trying to figure out p- different people's paths. So the bigs is something that I'm really excited about with MLB. They've done a great job along with Neon Hum Media, putting this thing together, um, which should be releasing here pretty soon, but it's been a big project, man. It was something that last, going back to last year, um, I kept stressing to MLB.com, like, we got to do this. We got to do this. Like, I was the one pushing it on them. They were probably so tired of hearing me. Like, hey, we just got to do this thing, man. We got to we got to make X happy. So so finally, we got it done. And and um, it's been something really amazing, man. It's, it's special.
0: I can't wait to listen. And the thing that I always tell people is, you know, it doesn't matter how talented a journalist is. If they didn't play the game, they can walk in and ask a great question, even to an athlete they have a rapport with and it's just going to get a different answer than a couple of guys who played in the league and no hard feelings on, on the part of people like myself. I mean, I didn't play major league baseball, so I can't understand it. The way that you did or the way that somebody that played in the league did but walk us through that a little bit you know that's to me you'll do a great job I know you've got some great guests I've I've heard some of the guys that you're going to have on people are going to want to listen especially Cardinal fans there's some notable names on that list but why is it that that kind of peer-to-peer thing that you guys will be able to essentially kind of open the clubhouse doors for that reason that you've got that rapport with these guys
1: and, and that's what it is, is, is the trust. Um, and, and I touched on this earlier. It was like the relationship building was huge for me while I was playing. And and I wanted to come out of the game knowing that I had relationships for life. And I wanted people to trust me. I wanted people to lean on me. Um, I think a lot of guys will tell you once you get out of this game, you realize this game wasn't about you. It was about everybody else around you. It was about the fans. It was about the coaches. It was about everybody else. You got to soak stuff from, um, so for me, that's what this is all about, and being able to say, and and that's when I'm able to say, okay, take us take us inside what it's like, you know. Let's break down those walls that are normally up when we're talking to media. You know, don't look at me as media. Look at me as your friend. Look at me as the same guy that we've been for a long period of time, and even guys that I've never talked to, I think. I have that rapport with them because we've been through some of the similar struggles, right. Of coming through the minor leagues or, you know, getting that first call up and trying to figure out how it is to navigate yourself as a rookie, Um, you know, trying to stay consistent in this game, but then also all the stuff outside of the field, family stuff, you know, whether it be family struggles, injuries, um, mental stuff that you go through. So there's so much that we were able to talk to and kind of break down, and and I feel like just being a player and going through a lot of those things, in, in similar situations, I was able to gain that trust for the, from them and be able to break down some walls.
0: It's gonna be awesome. Uh, cannot wait to listen. Really should be a lot of fun, and uh, we encourage folks to be looking out for that wherever. They get their podcast as it rolls out here, like you said, uh, very, very shortly. Hey, we're running up against time, but I got to get one more thing for you from you before we go. Uh, your favorite Cardinal big league memory, a story, a moment, whatever it is, in the parts of the two years, 14 and 15, that you spent here in St. Louis. Um, and honestly, man, it can have something to do with you and a baseball moment, a hit you got, a play you made, whatever. That's great. Or it can be when you were on the bench one night and something happened uh, that you got to watch, or a Hall of Famer, maybe, or something with the teammate. Whatever it is, just uh, we going back to it. We love this kind of stuff as fans, just to hear your perspective of the moment that, yeah. that you think about.
1: Man, um, it may it may not be like the highlight of, of my of my career, but I, I know fans will enjoy this. There was one year, I think it was 2015, um, during spring training. John Jay did a prank on Matt Holiday. I can't remember the exact prank, but he got him pretty good. And and I just remember hearing Matt Holiday say, don't worry, I'll get you back. I'll get you back. And then like throughout the whole course of the year goes on. And I want to say sometime in September that year, we were playing in Chicago at Wrigley Field. And we get to the stadium, everybody's starting to take off their backpacks, start to get in their lockers, start to get dressed a little bit. And you see three cops come into uh, the clubhouse at Wrigley Field. And they asked to go through John Jay's bag. And they said that they had um, been tipped off, that there was some paraphernalia or um, a a weapon that had came into the stadium. And they just want to check to make sure that it wasn't him. And so... Uh, John Jay had left um, a little bit before the police had come. And then they they planted it into his bag, something into his bag. The police come open his bag. Of course, John's like, go ahead. You know, check out my bag. I'm, I'm clean. I didn't bring anything. They open his bag. There's a gun in his bag. And he's like telling the police, hey, this ain't mine. I swear this is not mine. I don't know whose this is. He's like pleading to them like there's no way this is mine. I don't know how this got into my bag. He's basically on the uh, on the verge of tears after they're telling him, like, we're going to have to take you to the station like you, you're you going to have to leave today. we got to take you right now in cuffs. So they start putting him in the cuffs and he's basically like tearing up like you're getting ready to see the ball and just come out. And Matt Holliday is like, I told you I was going to get you back. That's for spring training. You don't play pranks on me. So that was uh, it. Everybody starts busting up laughing. Some guys were in on it. Most of the guys weren't in on it. So nobody was like a lot of guys were like, dude, what's going on right now? Like, why would he have that gun in his backpack? So it was like one of the biggest pranks I had ever seen taken to the next level. Um, you know, I don't even know if I should be sharing something like that, but it was really a funny, the, like one of the funniest moments that I had ever seen in major league baseball. Um, and it was, and it was like, I got to just watch it from the sidelines, right? It was something that I had nothing to do with, but I was like, whoa, what is going on right now? Um, and once everybody started laughing, it was like the funniest thing ever.
0: Matt, how my Matt holiday and I didn't overlap in our time with the Cardinals, but I've heard other people say the Intel is he's sneaky, funny and, uh, that, that is a good one that might be in my top three of that's not yeah that's
1: not even the only that yeah he definitely did some some other ones that were pretty funny like this guy's low-key funny for sure he but you know what the thing about holiday is like when i came up he was that guy that was like always paying for my meals like even at the hotels like i would go have breakfast and i would get the check and the the lady would be like um i would be like okay i need to pay can i can i get the check and she would be like you you already got paid for And she was like, I was like, who paid for me? Like, and I never figured it out until like one day he just like kind of tipped his hat to me. And I was like, ah, holiday, of course. So he was always good people is always very, you know, as far as polite towards me, a lot of times, you know, the older guys, they can be standoffish towards the rookies. But for me, it was like, he was one of those guys that I could count on. So he was he was good peoples, man.
0: Yeah, he was a rock here in St. Louis during his time. Still is. They actually on the game last night were saying it's the 10-year anniversary of Homers for Health, which Matt and Leslie Holiday, his wife, helped found, and it's still going, and they're still involved. They're down in Oklahoma now. He's really involved at at OSU in the baseball program there. But um, he's a he's a great dude, and apparently, don't cross him during spring training because no, uh, don't cross <laughs> that dude. He'll get you. <laughs> x thanks so much man this has been really fun we appreciate you just joining us and uh, and dropping a, a fun story and just some great insights into being a big leaguer and we know that people are going to get that for uh from your show as well you can follow along uh xavier scruggs xavier underscore scruggs on twitter is the handle if you want to check it out thanks so much man we really appreciate you jumping on
1: no problem thanks for having me man
0: The Bigs is out soon, anywhere that you get your podcasts. I think it's going to be marvelously entertaining. I can't wait to check it out. I hope that you cannot wait to check it out as well. Now, just after we taped this discussion, the Cardinals and X announced that he's coming aboard with us once again, this time in a new role focusing on diversity and inclusion. He's going to interface with the players and front office staff on all things regarding a healthy culture. He will do a phenomenal job at that. He's a passionate, energetic, bright guy. I'm sure that you could tell it. It just spills out of him as you talk to him. So he's going to be great. I'm excited to have him here as part of our organization again. And uh, we appreciate his time today on the show. Great to be with you. Again, we really appreciate you listening. Any ratings or subscriptions that you could throw us also go a long way for this program. You know it would also be great? to see you down here at the ballpark, though, in the coming weeks. If you haven't checked it out, perhaps on May 18th and 19th, you'll come on down to Bush. The Cardinals host the Pittsburgh Pirates. And on both dates, 10,000 fans take home their own Cardinals visor. Stay cool all summer long. That's May 18th and 19th. The Cardinals and the Pirates. Get your tickets now at cardinals.com slash Well, if I don't see you at Bush soon, I'll talk to you on Monday, May 31st, for our next full-length episode. Until then, for Xavier Scruggs, I'm Brett McMillan. You've been listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast.